Graphic design empire. Take control of it. Do you know what? These are really great questions. If you want it, you're just going to find a way to get it. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today's episode is with Sid Danger, all the way from Vancouver, Canada. In the show today, we talk about Sad Magazine and how Sid grew Sad Magazine into more more than just a paper magazine, into events, into a community. We talk about Sid's background, her story, and getting into design, and all of many tips of getting started in the industry. We cover things like attacking a brief and giving the client what they actually need, how to not feel lost and overwhelmed at the start of your design career entering the industry, and how to deal with the pressure of your parents thinking that you don't have a real job. So with all of that, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's recording then. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, Chris, off with who you are. Uh, actually, first of all, what, Sid Danger is an amazing name. Let's just say that. Thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my parents think they're funny. Uh, Danger is my middle name. Ah. So that's, that's what I go by. That's a really cool name. Um, <laughs> so yeah, start off with who you are, uh, what you're all about, where did you start, and um, how you found design. Sure. Um, so I'm Sid. Uh, I'm the creative director and co-publisher of um, an art and design magazine called Sad Mag uh, that's based in Vancouver, BC. Um, and I'm also an art director for an advertising agency called Good Fortune Collective. Um, yeah, I have way too many house plants and two cats and I'm stuck in quarantine, so everything is great. Um, but uh, yeah, as for how I discovered design, um, I actually didn't discover that it was something that you could do as a career uh, until I was in university. Um, I remember like taking uh, that placement test in high school where it's like, you know, you should be like a doctor or a businessman. And mine just said artist. And I was like, great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I I ended up going to art school, uh, you know, despite not knowing what design was. And that's sort of where I discovered it. Cool. So, uh, how old were you roughly when that when that was going on when you took that test? Oh gosh, that would have been I would have been like seventeen probably. I went to uh, university straight out of high school. Okay, so this is a bit different over here. So I'm trying to get my head around it a little bit. Um, <laughs> so we have like a, a college which is before a like, university. So it's okay, like seventeen, eighteen years old, and you go to yeah. university. No, here they just like push you. They're just like, get out and go do whatever <laughs> you want. So, <laughs> so yeah. So did you go, so you went to an art school. Did you go to, is it a specialist sort of designer as well? Or is it especially just art? Yeah. So um, I went to uh, like a specialized program at a university here called Capilano. And the program was called IDEA, which stood for Illustration and Design Elements and Application. Um, and it was like a really intense three-year program um like I slept at school sometimes uh it was that intense but uh, it's very career focused it was less about finding your artistic voice and more about um, being able to get a job uh as a creative after you left um so yeah so it was a lot but I'm uh, very happy I did it in the long run when you say you slept at school how like uh, <laughs> how, how what times and like, just after school overnight or yeah well um I was commuting into school by bus. So, and I lived like really far away, like an hour commute. So um, my classes would go until like, I don't know, seven. And then I would have uh, projects due the next day 
for other classes where you can't work on those projects during your class time. Uh-huh. So you have to, you know, it's very realistic for real life of just like um, trying to like get yourself together and um, be focused enough to get things done quickly. So that was a good learning experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's also something that a lot of people miss at university as well is that mm. you don't have, you don't have that urgency involved of, of creating projects and getting them uh, done in, in, within a week or in a couple of days. It's always drawn out. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, th- so if, uh, when you were a child and, and growing up, did you, were you always creative? Did you start drawing or, or did you create anything? Yeah, I think I was always like a creative kid. I honestly like, I wasn't really good at anything else. <laughs> I'm, I'm not like academically strong. Um, and so I was never great in school. Uh, I was always like doodling on stuff. Um, but uh, I was very lucky in having parents who, um, really fostered my creativity. Um, and, uh, you know, they were a little bit disappointed that I wasn't going to be like a veterinarian or something. They were like, are you sure that you want to not do that? Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, it was great. Um, yeah, my, my mom in particular, you know, she, uh, went to art school. She ended up being a, um, like a teacher's aide. But, uh, you know, she still has an interest in things that I'm doing, like screen printing and, and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. That's great. Yeah. And that, that's something that, because um, this podcast is listened to by a lot of young people. And that's something that I definitely felt when I was younger. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people out there will be feeling as well, is that you know, your parents or other, people in, inf- other people's influences will be uh, pressuring you to do something different. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you, how do yeah. you deal with that, um, that sort of? Because you said it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't totally, I had to do something else. It wasn't forced to do something else, but mm-hmm. you felt it a little bit. Yeah, I think that there's like an inherent fear um, for uh, the older generation that um, this isn't a viable career, uh, which is, which is fair. Like, it's not like it's new. Um, you know, I explained my job to my grandparents by um, comparing it to Mad Men. <laughs> because that's the only thing that they sort of understand is like they don't get what I do which is okay but I'm like no it's like uh it's like Mad Men you know and they're stand- like not the drinking parts mostly but the <laughs> the standing up and presenting ideas and concepts part mm-hmm. um so they sort of get that I just think like you know my parents wanted the best for me it wasn't um it wasn't that they didn't think that I could make it they just didn't know that it, it was even a possibility to have a creative career at the time. Yeah, I think that's, that's the struggle with a lot of parents, especially if they're not coming from creative careers, is that they mm-hmm. don't know. They're just, yeah, like you say, they're scared of it because, uh, yeah, because it, it's, it's like the unknown. It's like wading out into open territory. It's, uh, yeah. And it's tough, too. Like, when they do learn about it, they're like, oh, okay. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work to make it as a creative and absolutely. do it as your full-time job so yeah, yeah. absolutely how, how would you uh how, how would you get what sort of advice would you give to the younger people that uh, maybe have parents like that how do you get the parents on board I think um getting them to understand that everything that they interact with um in some level has been designed and then like the way that I explain design um to people who don't really understand what it is is that it's a way of visualizing information. It's problem solving. 
right? So um, how can I make this information beautiful and easy to understand? Um, and that's sort of how I, I try to, to explain it to my parents um, and also just get them to watch Mad Men <laughs> because just be like, I am Don Draper now. So, you know, that totally works, I think. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's good. I mean, but my, my mom was set in the sixties, right? Or was it that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, fifties or something. 50s. Yeah. Uh, I had to yeah. Watch so that. like, only only get them to watch very specific parts, or else they'll be like, no, don't do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of uh, design documentaries on Netflix now and stuff. I think that people just are a little bit disconnected on how much of an influence design plays in their everyday life. Um, you know, even from things to like movie title cards and um, things like that, like to the simplest extent, like the calendars that you look at every day, the UX design that you interact with, like things had to be designed to be able to um, make them easy to digest. You know, it's an important job. I think that people just view like arts jobs as like not being that important. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting how that how that plays out actually because right now obviously the coronavirus is happening and a lot of creatives are losing jobs mm. if you think about it literally everything is designed so how, how come we got so many people losing jobs <laughs> i know yeah i think the biggest thing too with this um entire pandemic because i've seen a lot of larger companies want designers and artists to do free work for them mm. um like i even saw that uh the i guess the united nations was like crowdsourcing uh wow. art right now which is like don't do that guys come on you can pay people to do art (laughs) like like these are the people who you know won't be eligible for um possibly for employment benefits um from being laid off because they're their own boss and they're you know they're freelancing so it's tough out there for the arts community for sure yeah yeah and i mean it's, it's even tricky when no one saw it coming and i mean yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. What sort of things are you doing to deal with it? And uh, what have you seen in the community to help deal with Yeah, so, um, I mean, I'm in a very fortunate position in the fact that I still have my nine to five. Obviously, I'm, I'm working from home, but, um, you know, there is the added pressure of knowing that, like, every project we get, every client that we secure buys us another two, three months of being able to operate like this. Um, so that means that I've been working later. Um, there's like less of a boundary between work and home time because obviously I'm always home and like my boss as lovely as he is knows that I am like available all the time because <laughs> I can't leave my apartment. So, um, oh, sorry. Um, my cat has joined. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, for sad Meg, it's been interesting as well because, um, you know, we're a not-for-profit, um, and uh, we just rallied. Well, I mean, we asked for help because the um, BC Arts Council here in Canada uh, was about to deny the six point two million dollars that uh, in funding um, and grants that they were going to or had previously promised for uh, arts communities. So, luckily, we have a really strong arts community here, and we were able to send um, hundreds of emails to the mayor um and they eventually approved the funding but that was like that was terrifying (laughs) because for a minute i i was like how am i going to continue to do 
this thing that I love um, that relies so heavily on on grants um, and the support of the arts community, which right now is so disjointed. Um, but, yeah. yeah. So let's actually talk about that and let's move on to that, I guess. Uh, what is SADMAG and um, yeah, how is it helping the community? Yeah, um, so SADMAG, uh, like I said, is an art and design magazine. Um, we are focused on promoting uh, local artists in Vancouver, BC. Um, and uh, especially artists who uh, haven't been published in a print magazine before um, and who are emerging. It's our mandate to just help as many emerging artists as we possibly can um, and give them a venue to show their work and and be paid and um, work with writers uh, from Vancouver as well. Um, Yeah, we we, uh, try to engage the community um, as much as we can. We throw launch parties for every issue uh, so that creatives can come together and meet each other and uh, crawl out of their dark holes, which they've been drawing for, you know, weeks, uh, (laughs) uh, which I am guilty of for sure. Um, And uh, yeah, I I just try to, (laughs) I just try to create a venue for, for people to showcase their work and, and get as much um, as much growth from that as possible. That's so cool. And uh, how, how important to you has it been to um, how beneficial as well, I guess, how has it, how, how has it impacted your life of, of building something around the local community? Uh, a ton. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's intimidating as hell to be making uh, art and design magazine. Like I'll just throw that out there for other yeah. designers. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm waiting for other people to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. It's like a real thing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, you know, doing something for the arts community wasn't something that I, I thought was important to me until I started doing it. And I've made so many great connections and genuine friends um, from Vancouver and beyond uh, doing this. And I feel so connected to this community now which at one point I didn't feel like was even a place that I belonged in so that has been really rewarding and like super interesting um just hopefully you know people continue to think that I uh have some semblance of knowing what I'm doing (laughs) no that's brilliant Uh, I'm always talking about community and um, one of my friends Matt Roth has done something uh, similar he's he's built up a little doodle club um, like a a group of people that come together and go to a museum and sketch together I think Mm -hmm. all of these little community projects and all of these um, well big big magazines big community projects big big things that eventually grow into big things um, can really help really help the design community and if we can just create these little pockets of of uh, communities um, yeah, which gets stronger and stronger, and it's, it's great. It's great to help each other out, especially right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. It's just it just seems like like you say, everyone's in their own their own little space, and no one's seeing each other. Uh, the more we can get on calls, the more we can talk to people. I think it just mm-hmm. uh, everything helps. But, but yeah, it's, it's it's really cool. Uh, I'm I'm gonna probably take the rest of this episode to be quite selfish about about asking questions around uh, building something. Um, and mm. helping helping community because that's something I want to do as well around the podcast. Uh, so we obviously we've 170 episodes now, um, trying mm. to build a little more of a community around it. Um, and, and you've done it quite locally. Is there anyone outside of Vancouver that's buying the magazine or getting the magazine or um, 
Or is it yeah, just so um, uh, generally our biggest um, subscriber base is from Vancouver, um, but we do have a lot of international subscribers as well, um, which is great. Uh, I mean, to think that they're taking an interest in local artists is fantastic. And um, we try to just make sure that while our content can be Vancouver focused, um, we just make sure that it is accessible for people from other communities as well. Um, who may have connections to Vancouver or may not, right? So um, we take pride in the fact that the magazine generally uh, is themed every issue. Uh, our current issue that's out now is themed around the future. Um, and uh, anybody should be able to pick it up no matter where they live and connect with it in some way. That's cool. How, how have you found uh, growing the magazine? How, how has that been, like growing a bit of an audience and actually getting out to people and people understanding what it is? Yeah, so um, I, SADMAC has been around for 10 years now. Um, I am just recently the creative director and co-publisher, which has been interesting for me as well, um, looking at more of the business side of things. Um, I would be nothing without the team of people who helped me do that, um, you know, from like our social media, media manager who can do some sort of wizardry that I don't understand uh, with Instagram um, to like our events coordinator um, who helps me throw uh, super fun parties, all of those things. Um, and those people are so important to uh, what we're creating um, that goes beyond just a physical magazine. So that, that's been really interesting. So how, how have you have you got the uh, the actual physical audience members involved? How how are they? How do they first hear about it normally? Um, I think generally probably through Instagram or our parties. Um, our parties are pretty fun, uh, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we generally host uh, two parties a year um, with. Uh, some, some really great companies who sponsor us. Um, there's usually drag performers, DJs. Um, we have an art show um, at the front of all the art and the issues so people can come and purchase art that they connected with that's in the magazine. Um, and uh, I create merch uh, that I screen print uh, in my apartment, nice. <laughs> um, which sells there. So those are generally like pretty big events. Um, but I would say... Most people who find out about SADMAG are finding it out through either other people who um, are connected in the arts community. Our, our subscriber base is very largely um, people who have knowledge of um, the arts and design or through social media where they're seeing us posting and seeing our events and um, are just interested in, in what everybody's talking about, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And talking about events, um, something I'm trying to do as well with the podcast is put on more events. We had the first one, mm. first one last year, which was which is amazing, uh, and it really does bring everyone together because it's great people mm -hmm. listening to the podcast or reading the magazine. But when you see everyone together, it's like, ah, oh, this is this is special. Uh, yeah, this is real. This is tangible. It's like yeah. a real thing that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, have you got any advice on on building events or putting on events or mm. or anything that you've seen that you should I should look out for? <laughs> Yeah, um, I think the biggest one for us is uh, is always the venue. Um, I mean, networking. I, I hate saying the word networking, but yeah, it's, <laughs> word, right? it's a terrible word. I hate it. Um, but 
making friends in the community is always going to help you out. So, um, you know, we have, uh, we have friends, um, in liquor stores or like liquor, um, brands, for example, who, um, so I, I'll tell you a small story about how I got a a sponsorship. Um, I was part of the, uh, Vancouver mural festival, which is uh, held every summer. Um, and I ended up painting a mural on a local brewery called 33 acres. And, um, through doing that, I met the, uh, marketing manager and, uh, started chatting to him and learned his name, uh, became sort of like good acquaintances with him. Uh, and as things were ramping up for our future launch party, we needed beer because people won't come if you don't have (laughs) beer, very important. And I ended up reaching out and saying like, hey, do you want to sponsor this arts event? We will trade you beer for advertising space in our magazine. This is who sees our magazine. Here's the overlap of people who see this magazine and people who are, um, who know about 33 Acres might be interested in in your products. Um, And uh, it worked out great. Like, you know, people loved uh, having the 33 Acres beer there. We were able to make money through selling the alcohol that was donated. Um, and, uh, it didn't cost us anything because we just gave them a a page in our, in our magazine. So stuff like that, um, helps out a lot on the event side. We generally get most things traded or donated that way, which keeps our costs really low, which is great because we don't have a lot of overhead spent on, uh, to spend on parties. So, yeah. Yeah, is that similar with the magazine as well? So all the overheads are covered by adverts and stuff? Um, Yes and no. Uh, SADMAG is primarily funded by uh, city grants. Um, We make sure to uh, be extremely uh, inclusive, uh, making sure that we are talking about um, and including Indigenous writers and artists um, and uh, um, LGBTQ+. Um, writers and artists and um, just making sure that we are keeping the Vancouver community really strong and through that um, we are able to secure some grants from the city which pretty much base cover our printing costs Um, printing a magazine is not cheap but there are a lot of things that we do uh, to keep the printing costs as well uh, down um, that are sort of tricky so for example uh, sad mag is oversized it's like a big magazine but um, it's no more expensive than printing a, a smaller magazine because it's the largest page size. So they don't, uh, printers actually just have to cut the pages down. And for that reason, that keeps costs low. Ah, smart. Yeah. Um, and then we'll do like, uh, instead of doing a, a black and white um, run, because uh, obviously that's cheaper than printing color, I'll do like a um, one CMYK value and one um PMS spot color and that way like it ties all the illustrations together and makes everything look kind of cool and um, elevates it from being black and white but is still basically the cost of printing it in black and white so stuff like that helps us keep yeah costs really low as well that's a really smart way of getting color in it as well yeah that's cool yeah Uh, have you got like a local printer that you, you hook up with or is it yeah, yeah. So um, we work with a printer called Met in Vancouver, and they do their very best to give us the, the cheapest uh, cost that we possibly can. We 
you know, obviously like we're a not-for-profit, so that um, helps out a little bit in the way that um, it helps them out too, to be supporting not-for-profits. Um, but yeah, like still printing isn't, it's just never going to be that cheap. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely, it's probably one of our biggest expenses, I would say. Printing. Well, this is something that's probably going to be in- interesting to younger designers and people going for university right now as well, because Printing costs, if you're going to get a portfolio printed or you're going to get some art pieces printed or posters or for your, for yeah. your, for your event, um, hooking up with a local, uh, local, university, uh, local printer that's attached to the university or someone that you find on your own back, that's going to be important for the rest of your career if you can build up a good relationship as well. That's, yeah, definitely. And giving them projects too that they're excited to work on like, mm. is also really important. Um, you know, they're probably really sick of printing whenever they're printing. So if you're giving them something cool, that's a challenge and you're like, Hey, I need this, this spot gloss here. Cause I think it would look awesome. Like, is there any way that we can work something out? Um, because you guys can show it on your portfolio is like a, a print piece that you guys did, but also I'm poor. So <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe we can work something out. Um, stuff like that is, is always useful, but yeah, I would just say like, I think one of the most important things of being a designer is just being approachable. Um, and that is hard as an artist because uh, most of us are just like, I don't want to talk to people ever, <laughs> which is totally fine. Um, just get your, get your like retail personality going and just be like, great. Okay. Now I like talking to people. Um, and, uh, and I can do this. I can like hustle a little bit for the sake of my art that I'm making. This is, this is something that's come to my mind is that you're, you clearly write really hard work and you've got, you've got a nine to five and you said you do the magazine like, every yeah. evening. Uh, do yeah. you take on freelance work as well? Uh, I used to. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I used to do a lot of uh, like freelance illustration um, and it's something that I'm still really passionate about, but I recently decided that I kind of want my illustration to say just for me. Um, it's hard to monetize everything that you do as a creative it just kind of feels like you've sold your soul a little bit so I guess like illustration and art is is my one way of being like this is just for me and like if I decide to put it somewhere else that's cool but uh yeah unless somebody like the Vancouver Mural Festival was like do you want to paint this mural and I was like hell yeah that sounds super fun um so that was great uh but generally yeah I don't I don't anymore I just don't have time (laughs) So how how do you get this sort of motivation to to just push through and, and, and like do so much work and stay focused on all the stuff you, you love, even if it's not making money, you know? Yeah, I, I have definitely been accused of being a workaholic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I am probably more more driven than your your average bear, I guess. But um, for me, it's always been that when I'm not making stuff, my life doesn't really feel like it has like purpose. Um, for me, like the only thing that I want to be doing is making cool stuff and that's what it boils down to. So, you know, if I were to take a break from sad Meg, I would probably just end up making other stuff. So, so, you know, um, one thing that I, I talk about quite often is, is having buckets. Um, and figuring out what your buckets are and what you need to feel like you haven't sold out, that you're still an artist and that you um, are doing everything you can to like feel fulfilled. Uh, so my buckets were that 
I knew that I wanted to do something creative as a job. Um, and I also wanted to do something that was good for my community and for the planet, um, whatever that is and in whatever capacity that is, that's what I needed to feel like, like I was a a real person. (laughs) So, um, I've been sort of lucky that, uh, in both of my jobs, I feel that, um, Good Fortune Collective is an advertising agency, which uh, was terrifying, but um, they are so lovely about taking on work that um, does good and, uh, you know, isn't destroying the planet and <laughs> isn't telling people that they're not good enough. And I think that's really important. Um, and through SADMAG, I've been able to um, really nourish, um, and like get my foot into the arts community in Vancouver, which has been rewarding beyond what I can say. So yeah, I think just like finding out what your buckets are and like, like I need this to feel like me, um, is a pretty big, big portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is a really important thing for people listening. How how do people find their buckets or what, so, is it, so it seems to me that it's passion, things you're passionate about for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's not like I just knew, right? Like I went through a period in time where I really hated design. I got out of design school and I was like, I hate this. I don't understand it. Um, there are so many rules uh, mm. that I don't understand. Um, I don't feel like an artist anymore. And I've used InDesign, which is like the math of art. So that's, I was like, all of this sucks. Point, is, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, when I graduated university, I was pretty lost on what I wanted to do um, because I knew that I wanted to be creative, but I didn't think that I had it in me to actually do design. I like had a lot of self-doubt um, around that. So, and I still do, like, it's a totally normal thing for creatives to be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's fine. Um, so I ended up doing work for, um, like beauty salons in Vancouver, um, as a designer. And I was like, I hate this. This doesn't feel good. (laughs) This doesn't feel right or good or on brand for me. Um, and that's when I sort of realized that like, Hey, okay. So Maybe I like the design portion of this more than I thought I did, but I don't like the portion where I'm telling people that they need Botox, Hmm. right? (laughs) So um, I went back to university after that and started working for my university's newspaper as their layout designer. Ah. And, um, And from that, I actually started getting a lot of editorial design work. So um, I've worked for quite a few magazines um, in Vancouver, uh, which led me to be the art director for Adbusters magazine um, for a couple of years, which was uh, really fun. And that's what really sparked the love of design for me. Uh, Cause all of a sudden I had this like joy of making art in design again, which was um, something that I was really missing. So if you're going to go really practical, how did you find those buckets? How did you find the ideas and things you wanted to do to keep you motivated? How did you find the buckets? trial and error man <laughs> like right. just by doing stuff that you you're like wow nope this doesn't feel right um i think the only thing you can do is like boil it down to like to what what do i love and what is going to make me feel good and and that's going to take 
doing stuff that doesn't make you feel good. Um, you know, you're going to have to fail a lot. Failing mm-hmm. is part of being creative and, and something that you shouldn't beat yourself up about. Um, it's just something that comes with the territory. So yeah. and we all fail on like yeah. a, on a daily basis. Don't we? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> a lot. I fail, I <laughs> fail constantly. So, yeah. so yeah. So it's, it's important. Um, and it's something that, uh, you know, young creatives, um, I think aren't told enough. Uh, there's a lot of pressure, especially with like having to post or feeling like you have to post everything on social media all the time and, um, show people that you're making work. Um, and I just stopped doing that. I was like, you know what? People know, <laughs> or people don't care. Um, yeah. It's, de- it's definitely a long, long road. Um, and yeah. I, I don't think we ever get to, I mean, it's always evolving, isn't it? We don't ever get to, the final destination in a way. Um, yeah. Oh, I think um, like another thing that I would offer is um, finding things that inspire you and like having uh, a space that inspires you as well. It's something that I found was really um, important for me. Yeah. Um, you know, now that I'm stuck in my apartment, I'm like, Oh God, my apartment, but my, my place of, of work and um, whether that be at home or in my office, um, working for a good fortune um, are both really inspiring places, uh, not only in the aesthetics of the places that I'm in, um, but also the people that I've surrounded myself with. I just find are constantly um, inspiring me to push myself and get to that next level. And I like, I don't know where I'm going. Like, <laughs> like I don't want to sound like I, I have this like supreme vision of, of my career in like five years. I have no idea. I have no idea, but, but, uh, so far I've just been like surrounding myself with really sweet people who are really cool. Um, mm-hmm. and also love to do what they do and, um, pushing myself to explore every avenue of, of being a creative, um, whether that be photography, art design or art direction, um, design, like things like that. Like I'm not a good photographer, but um, I still think it's interesting and, uh, yeah. And making your space one that, that you feel like you are comfortable creating in as well. What's your, what's your favorite thing in your space? Oh, my plants, I guess. Yeah. I think plants, I don't know. I just love my whole space. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, you can't see my, through the video, you can't see my, uh, my desk situation, but I do really love my desk setup, um, which is, you know, I just collect a lot of things. I'm a collector. I have a lot of like animal skulls in here. I got nice. art. From, yeah, I got art from from uh, other artists who I find really inspiring. Um, plants that I love to take care of. They just give me like routine. Um, and my cats, obviously, they're just been like wandering around through this whole thing. But you know, stuff like that that keeps me like grounded in reality. I think it's really important. Yeah, it's, it can be quite easy to sort of get lost in 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 your path and wondering where you're going to be in the future but um one thing one thing about focusing on the thing that you've got in hand and you know having me to try and hit deadlines trying to meet meet deadlines especially coming out of university having the routine as well of of mm. you know, working as because what did you do straight out of university because i didn't i never went so how is it progressing from university to getting your first job uh, yeah, my path was a little weird. Um, 
I did a mentorship uh, at the end of university when I was, I was like, I'm going to be an illustrator. You can totally make money just being an illustrator. And everyone was like, no, you can't. Um, but uh, I tried anyway. Um, so I did a mentorship in university where I worked with um, a concept artist. Um, and I just don't have the, I just don't have the chops, to be honest. It's just not concept art is on another level. Uh, and I deeply respect anybody who does that as a job because mm-hmm. uh, it, it is really tough. So, um, so I did that and I was like, okay, well, I wasn't very good at that, which was kind of a, a blow, but I was like, all right, well, that's okay. Um, and when I, when I graduated, I um, didn't go straight into a design job. I was like, oh, like freelance, maybe I'll, I like worked at a coffee shop and freelanced for a while until I had enough clients that I could quit the coffee shop. And then I was like, I hate this. <laughs> so I, I, um, I struggled for sure after university, like it wasn't a clear path for me at all. I was like, I don't know where I belong in this world. Um, I don't know what my niche is. Mm-hmm. Um, and through going back and working for my university's newspaper, um, and then eventually getting editorial work, I sort of niched myself in editorial design for a while before I realized that I also really wanted to not just make things look pretty, but um, drive the ideas and concepts behind what these things were. Um, And that's what I get from working at Good Fortune Collective is I really get to, you know, I get a brief and I'm like, hey, how are we going to crack this? How are we going to solve this puzzle, which is my favorite. And I love puzzle solving. So. That's yeah. cool. uh, that's something that uh, young designers need to think about as well is the ideas behind the design and not just making things look pretty um yeah which actually comes quite as, like, as a bit of a shock to a lot of people when they step out of university is so uh, i'm not sure how many people in, i'm not sure how many teachers in university are, are thinking too much about the design side of it i mean it's very practical mm. it seems um yeah university seems very practical as in you know they're thinking about teaching you all the, all the software and how to make, yeah, how to, I don't know, how to, I can't even think of an example now, but how to, yeah, that's a random. Yeah, they teach you the rules, right? Right, the rules, that's it. The rules, they're like, this is kerning and this is tracking and this is letting and you're like, great, I think. Um, (laughs) So yeah, like that is, is, you know, it's necessary. um, But I would say to anybody who's struggling with that, because I, I struggled with that, I was like, oh, rules there's no rules in art. You can't tell me to do stuff. Um, once you have a deep and good understanding of the rules, uh, you are given the freedom to break them because if you're designing stuff purely based on design rules, you're not making stuff that people are going to connect with or feel things with. Right. So it depends how far you want to push it. But for example, when I worked at Adbusters, um, that's a magazine that is like is pretty much uh, focused on um, breaking all rules. Um, so, you know, I would get an article, I would print it out, and I would crumple up the paper into a ball and uncrumple it, and use a piece of tape to like take the um, ink off the paper and then scan it back in, and then print that in the magazine, which was great. Like. Nice all of a sudden I was like doing stuff with my hands again uh, and I wasn't like, stuck to the computer screen. And um, suddenly I saw that, okay, there is art in design. 
and you can break these rules. You're not bound to them, which is really important. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's a pretty good um, good lesson uh, for people. I didn't, yeah, I didn't. I haven't really thought about that. I haven't really thought about breaking the rules of of design. I just had them in the back of my mind already subconsciously and then mm-hmm. sort of just try and do your best to be creative as possible around the brief as well because normally like briefs people have a good idea of what they want uh that's well, they think they cool. do yeah 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 they <laughs> think they do <laughs> clients are always funny that way they're like i want this and you're like no you don't <laughs> if i made that you would not be happy let me show you what you want so how how's it down to the designer to to you know, show them what they want how, how do you get, get that out of them and not disappoint them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm still learning that to a certain degree. Um, you know, working with uh, my team at Good Fortune has been really interesting for me to see how. Um, and these are like, you know, larger concepts. For some, I'm trying to think about stuff I can talk about. And I like can't talk about any of it. But um, you know, things that are not print design pieces, things that are like basically uh, PR um, announcements. Mm -hmm. So, and that's one of the ways that we um, figure out if an idea is sticky or not is you write it like it's a PR release. Um, And if it doesn't sound good as a PR release, is it notable? Probably not. Um, But generally uh, what we do when we get a brief is um, have three brainstorming sessions in which you just write down as many paragraphs of text as possible in which you are explaining all your ideas. Um, Any idea that comes in your head, give it a title, write a paragraph describing it. We'll print them all out and stick them all up on the wall and anything that doesn't deserve to be there comes down. And that is the way that we get to our like top three ideas basically. But yeah, it's like, it's always tough, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a good way of starting. Um, to hit a brief and is there any other ways of how you would attack a brief how, how you break it down and um and then start start thinking about the process behind it um when i get a brief i generally like, immediately do research on everything surrounding that so uh like a lot of the briefs that we get at, at good fortune are um cycling based uh which i'm i'm not i don't know anything about that <laughs> so um so there's like a lot of uh like language and um, inner uh, like inside jokes and stuff in, in that community that I'm not privy to. And that can sometimes um, make it difficult for me to create concepts that people really connect with who are, are in that community. So I think um, doing your research, I like go on, you know, uh, cycling um, Reddit pages and read all of the Reddit posts and um, I'll go on to like, I'll research the top sites that people are going on to. I'll read all of those and be like, Hey, like, what are the problems? Like, what is the core problem that I'm solving with this ask? Is it that this company is coming out with a new bike and they need to sell that bike? Um, And who are they trying to sell it to? And why wouldn't those people buy it right away? So figuring out, doing your research, figuring out the, the core problem of, of the ask is really important. And then getting all your ideas out as quickly as possible and not, don't get hung up on them. If it's bad, that's fine. Mm. Most of them will be. That's okay. 
it's, there might be something in your bad idea that, you know, either you or somebody else could take, um, and be like, Hey, this actually has like a nugget of something good. So maybe we can use that in this idea there at the beginning. There are no bad ideas. Just write them all out as quickly as possible. And then like judge yourself later for them. This, this is something uh, which I've tried to get myself to do more is, is really immerse yourself in, into the client's world. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. you do a lot of research, even go onto Reddit and things like that. Uh, that's so important to answering a brief and understanding where the client's coming from as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, I think research is super important <laughs> or else I would have no idea what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's, that's probably something I should do more right now as well. <laughs> I'm trying to think about my situation. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, as a, as a junior designer, I guess the, the, the basics jobs would be being told what to do and, and trying to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, learn the skills just at a very basic level. Mm-hmm. I think when you, when you start off in, the first, in your first sort of job is, yeah, it just comes in and, and it just sort of goes out really quickly and then you've got to sort of keep up the pace of that, that life. And it's, it's so hard to, to keep up with everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can, you know, I can relate. Like as a junior, I, I wasn't uh, thinking as much about, about that kind of stuff either. I think uh, when you're a junior, you have like a great opportunity of seeing how your um, like senior designers and art directors, um, how that information has gone like from the brief and now has come to you. Like what are the steps that they took to um, kind of, uh, break down that brief and make it digestible um and what are the the solves that they they decided to take um but yeah i mean it, it depends too on like the projects that you're you're being given but if you my advice too if you don't feel like you're getting um you know if you're like a junior out there and you don't feel like you're getting projects or you can like flex that muscle is to like start just do your own projects and like i know it's extra work like everyone calm down but but it's really uh rewarding like even if it's just like hey I think I want to like maybe design a a t-shirt for this brand um and then be like okay well why and what is this design doing that's different from their current designs and how can I make it like more of an experience um and a better portfolio piece for me than just like a t-shirt um so doing stuff like that for you is is really fun as well and if it's bad nobody has to see it it was just like something fun that you did so yeah it's all practice um this the why the why of it is, is something that yeah i need to think about more as well so uh yeah it's good it's good that we talked about that because uh <laughs> it sparked something um the, the why the why of it as well when, when you get your first freelance clients i mean people out of university and, and starting off in the industry will or maybe go into a job or maybe have a project alongside while they're in university uh, going to coffee shops and things like that. And just really like sort of small first off sort of briefs mm-hmm. that you get as a, as a designer, you know, everyone has their first job, um, something around there. How, how can, uh, or if you've got any advice on how you can bring that sort of thing to a, a thought of the why behind it or, or think about the why um, in design. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about like my first projects, which were like, menus and uh like super small stuff where it was like please update this menu and stuff like that which is like yeah that's not doing anything for me except paying a small bill probably but um I think that 
you know, if I was doing that over again, um, I would maybe focus on um, looking at that brand that I'm working for and doing a, a project based around them that, you know, is, uh, isn't paid. Um, and like, you don't have to give it to them if you don't want to, but, um, you know, doing something where, where you're like maybe solving a problem that you see that they have and, and you can like, you can use that in your portfolio. It's totally fine. You can just put that it's not real or you don't even have to, it's nobody cares. As long as the idea and the design is good, you know, I don't really care about anything else. And I'm looking at, at portfolios. Um, but yeah, I would just say like the world is your oyster and just like do as much stuff as you can because um, making stuff is cool. And uh, the more stuff that you make, um, the more likely you're going to make some good stuff. So, you know, you know, it's rough out there when you start, like, don't get me wrong. I was totally making like pamphlets for Botox companies that were like, Hey, I just need you to lay this out, um, in a way that makes sense. And I was like, cool. Okay, great. I can do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, as long as you're, you know, maybe try engaging some of your local arts communities, like, is there, is there a not-for-profit, um, that needs a redesign. Um, you know, that's something that uh, a lot of designers do here is, and that people look for in portfolios as well as like, um, have you done a piece for a not-for-profit? So working with like, uh, you know, I don't know, like a kitten rescue and like, do they need, like, do they need calendars done to like showcase their kittens so that people will adopt them? Probably. How can you make that beautiful? I bet you can. <laughs> like, you know, they don't care what you do as long as it looks nice. So there's opportunities in everything. You just sort of have to go out of your way to find them. And that is, that is what it's like to be a creative. <laughs> you know, like it's fucking tough, but you can do it. <laughs> you just have to try real hard. There's something about that. Uh, work ethic and um, belief at the start of a career which is maybe isn't quite there as well maybe maybe mm-hmm. just graduation you, you step foot in the, in the in the real world for the first time and you're like oh wow this is so big um how, how do you navigate that how do you get over the fear of feeling a bit lost at the start um I think getting my first like nine to fives were actually a huge help for me just feeling like I had that job security because that's the scariest thing about starting out as a freelancer, right? It's like you don't know where the next paycheck is coming from. Um, you know, can I pay my rent? Probably not. Uh, sorry, mom. Um, but uh, so, so getting those first, um, you know, even if it's something that, you know, I worked for like, what did I do? I worked for like publishing companies and stuff for a bit and they weren't like creatively fulfilling but they did give me space to, you know, I wouldn't have been able to start working on sad mag if I didn't have a nine to five. And, um, all I did was continue pushing until I got a nine to five that also filled my creative buckets. Um, because now that's important to me. Um, and I feel like I have capacity to like have some sort of capacity to have multiple things going on. Um, uh, that, make me feel like I'm, I'm doing good stuff, but yeah. So like make sure that you feel secure 
um, it's a, it's a big one, I guess. I don't know. It's scary starting out as a creative. It's super scary. Yeah. I mean, the security, um, I'm just trying to relate to best my own stories. I guess security for me would be, I'm still living up at my home. Stay, can't speak. Still living at home with my parents, uh, mm-hmm. which is great, and that's that feels makes me feel a lot more secure. More secure. Obviously, it's not yeah. ideal, and it's you know, it's great to get out there, especially if you're coming home after university. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's great yeah. to, to, to get like fly the nest, as they say. And I'd love to do that, but obviously at the very start, you can't have any money. Um, yeah. And like, that's totally fine. That's, it's not like I was fucking living at large when I graduated university and I like had my first couple jobs, like I still not like I have, like, I like my apartment. It's, it's nice and I can afford it and that's great, <laughs> but I'm like a young creative. So it's not like I'm, you know, rolling in it, which is also fine. I didn't, you know, if you got into the arts to be rich, then maybe you shouldn't have done that <laughs> in general, but uh, you know, uh, you know, you can you can do it if you work your way up and just focus on making good work. And that's going to mean probably doing more of a nine to seven than a nine to five. Like you're going to have to you're going to have to work. You're going to have to take ownership of of the stuff that you're working on and like making it the best that it can possibly be. But yeah, it's it's something that I really enjoy doing. So I never never really feel burnout's a real thing don't get me wrong and i definitely get burnt out a lot um but uh but i never feel that that terrible because i know that i'm i'm making stuff that i i I love which is great that's um yeah that that's definitely a way to avoid avoid uh getting stressed about it as much or as as as, like you say burnt out as much or um frustrated with it as much as finding something you love doing and then and then going down that road um it's just it's just hard for people coming out of universities to find that thing straight away i know it's a very mm-hmm. uh tough age to to get i'm still there in a way i'm still it's, it's very tough yeah. age to understand the whole thing that you're about to start uh you're on your journey but um i think you've given some pretty damn good advice on this episode to be honest uh, oh thanks well maybe somebody will think i know what i'm doing there we go <laughs> uh so the last last few questions that i've got and we ask uh, the guests on the show uh, first of all would you have a dream client that you'd like to work with oh that's a great question a dream client i think like in general something that i haven't tried doing that i would really like to do um are movie credits like motion stuff for me is is really interesting so i don't know if i would um like boil it down to working with like one specific client but i think doing something where i'm working with uh, more motion design would be, be really exciting yeah nice yeah that's something i need to pick up on as well i mean motion design for any designers listening i think motion design is going to be something we all have to learn in the future i think it's going to be important yeah. to get hired yeah uh, okay, next one is uh, what's your best purchase under a hundred dollars? Ooh, strange, strange. It could, it could be non-design related. <laughs> my best purchase under a hundred dollars. Um, I think that my screen printing stuff was my best purchase under a hundred dollars. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I I generally uh I'm like a cheapskate when it comes to screen printing too. I like get a bunch of stuff printed or um, exposed onto one screen, so I have like a bunch of um designs on there and then 
yeah, just get some ink and a squeegee and just fucking have at her. Once you have the freedom to make your own shirts, it's like, why would you ever buy a shirt? It's great. <laughs> but I, yeah. So um, doing that and like working and making uh, tote bags and stuff like that. It's just been like a new form of creating that I wasn't doing before that I now have access to, which is really fun. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I need to get on the screen printing because I've been down to uh, Creative South and um, Crop as well, design conferences over over in America, and uh, they always have screen printing workshops, and it's amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something I it's do. It's so much. fun. Yeah, yeah, I need to get on it. Um, <laughs> I don't know where we're going with that. Uh, <laughs> do you have any life advice? I like one bit of life advice uh, for the listeners out there. Ah, uh, life advice. Um... <laughs> work hard <laughs> work hard but um have fun doing it i guess that's good I think that's, yeah that's my advice for everyone just just do it do the stuff make stuff make good stuff nice um we, we like to go uh, a bit deeper on the podcast towards the end and if life advice mm. wasn't deep enough uh the next one next one is uh how do you want to be remembered <laughs> oh wow um I would want to be remembered as somebody who helped a lot of other people. So yeah, that's really important to me. Somebody who did good for the community, I think is important. Um, Yeah. And even if that's in my small community bubble or if that's like on a larger scale, that doesn't really matter to me at this point. Um, Just, yeah, just, doing good stuff that's awesome yeah it sounds like you're doing it as well obviously with the magazine and the people that you're around so it sounds good mm. it's nice mm. okay, where, where can people find you and, and check out your work check out the magazine and say hello yeah um you can find our magazine at uh sadmag.ca um and also online uh on instagram at sadmag uh, please Follow us on Instagram. We're super fun. My social media manager is amazing. Um, and uh, you can message her and say hi. Uh, and you can find me at uh, Sid underscore danger on Instagram and say hi to me too. Please do. I'm very bored. So I will talk to anybody at this point. <laughs> I'm stuck in my apartment. Please talk to me. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and subscribe to Sad Meg. I'll send you. A nice note if you do. Just yeah, write a note that you found us through this podcast and I'll write you something nice. Oh, nice one. And I'll, I'll put the uh, links and everything down in the description for, for people listening. Cool. Uh, one, one thing I like to end on the podcast with is uh, it's a reference from a film. Have you ever seen the film Cool Runnings? No. I uh, need to check it out. It's so good. I think it's more. I think it's bigger over here in the UK, but it's a film based mm-hmm. around a uh, Jamaican bobsleigh team and going to the Olympics. Okay. Uh, it's a fantastic film. And basically the, the idea is that cool runnings means peace be the journey. And uh, I'd like to end on that. It's a nice little, little quote. So peace be the journey, as they say. Oh, that is really nice. Yeah, there you go. That's the podcast. Thanks for being on. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. You can find more about Sid and Side Magazine via the links down in the description below and their links to their socials. 
I really like the advice that Sid shared around not getting overwhelmed at the start of your design career. As someone that's coming into the industry right now, I feel like uh, it's a big, big place and, and there's so many people to meet and um, there's lots of work to be done and, you know, it's, it's a bit overwhelming at the start of your career. So it's nice to hear a bit of comforting advice around that. Um, and there's also a really interesting story about growing Sad Magazine and tips from that I'll be definitely taking into growing the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show and I'll see you next week for another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast.